This week on the Dylan and Dylan show, we introduce a new topic called Out of the Box, giving a all-time home run derby draft. The guys discuss their takes on some proposed NLB rule changes, as well as counting down the NFL power rankings starting from 32. This week in sports covers the recent struggles from Team USA basketball, as well as takes on the NBA finals. Welcome back to the Dylan and Dylan show. Excited to have you back joining us for today on what should be a fantastic Friday show for you guys. We have a ton of fun, interesting topics this week planned. I know Dylan and I are both excited to get into it. I'm Dylan Jesperson. With me as always, my co-host and as of last week, co-author Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. Uh, woke up early this morning uh, because it's a special day. Um, Space Jam 2 released in theaters and if you have hbo max you can watch it at home and i made sure to watch it wanted to see lebron team up with bugs bunny uh so now uh lebron and michael have uh a similar teammate in bugs uh very fun watch uh we'll give everybody a week before we talk about it. maybe maybe next friday we'll we'll go a little more in depth about good old space jam and lebron but good day and then uh I, I like to come in with the, this is what happened on this day in sports i couldn't really ha- find one today but it is Shoeless Joe Jackson's birthday, Barry Sanders' birthday, and Zach Randolph's birthday. So uh, pretty important that since they were all born on this day uh, many years ago. But uh, yeah, happy birthday to them, and I'm excited for the show. Yeah, happy birthday, especially to Barry. We'll be getting into uh, his former team later, I'm sure. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, head on over to tvsportsmag.com. You can check out uh, our collaborated recap of the MLB All-Star Game. We had a fun time bringing that to you guys. Quick reminder as well to go follow Tunnel Vision Sports on Spotify as well as on Apple Podcasts. That way you never miss an episode of our podcast of Great Takes from the Great Lakes or anything else that comes up on those uh feeds there today we are coming out of the box with a new segment we fittingly named out of the box uh with a significant amount of downtime uh heading up in the sports world uh, after the nba finals wrapped up we wanted to bring you guys something fun something different that can help curb our edge of our competitive nature that we have uh so we'll be doing a number of themed fantasy drafts to start our show and we want to help we want you guys to help us decide uh, who does better in these drafts, who drafts the better team. We'll have polls and posts on social media where you can let us know who you think did the better job between myself and Dylan here. Uh, with that out of the way, I'll let Dylan introduce this week's draft as it was his idea for uh, the topic this week. Yeah, uh, as many of you know, you listened last week, we did the Obama All-Star Draft, and that was a ton of fun. And I was sitting here, I was like, man, I want to do more of that. That was a lot of fun doing research, seeing what guys I'd like to see together on a team doing something. And then Monday, uh, a lot of people had their focus shifted to the Home Run Derby in Colorado. I was like, man, wouldn't it be fun to do a fantasy, just all-time Home Run Derby? I, I texted over to Dylan. I was like, hey, let's do this, uh, and we'll figure out all the, the semantics with it. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to do a snake draft. And uh, we're just going to have our picks of all-time home run hitters. I, I guess they don't have to be a home run hitter. If, if you want to go in that direction, that, that might seem a little silly, but it is what it is. Uh, so I reckon I'm going to give Dylan the first pick and see where he goes. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll make my adjustments from there. All right. All right. So uh, we were recording the NBA roundtable yesterday, and Dylan did tip his hand a little bit. I don't know who's on his list, but I know at least the types of players that are going to be on his list. So uh, I felt comfortable letting him decide the draft position because I feel I feel like my picks are pretty safe. I think I know uh, at least that he's not going to take uh, some of my better players uh, unless unless he was switching it up on me. But 
Uh, I'm going to go with with uh, something that's a bit recency bias, actually a lot recency bias. But if we're going all time uh, home run derby and home run hitters, uh, that performance by Pete Alonso on Monday night was something special. I haven't seen a guy get into the box like that and just effortlessly hit the ball out of the park that that easily. Uh, I think something some of it had to do with the air up there in Colorado because I just it felt too easy. Uh, when I was watching him hit some of those home runs, but uh, I'm going to take that recency bias. I'm going to hope that that some of our listeners have some of that recency bias as well. I'm going to put Pete Alonzo on my squad and uh, give me the, probably the only current player that's going to be on either list. So we'll throw it to Dylan. He's got the picks two and three. I'm excited to hear what he's got going for us. So um, picks two and three, my first pick, I'm going to go with former St. Louis Cardinal, former Oakland athletic, uh, I've got him on my shirt. You can see uh, Mark McGuire, uh, 92 home run derby. Uh, he hit 583 career homers. Hard not to go with him. I, he's he's a legend in my book. Uh, I absolutely love him. And when I when I was thinking of this, I was like, I got to have Mark McGuire on my team. All I want to do is watch Mark McGuire hit home runs, and hopefully everyone else does too. And then my next pick actually didn't come into my head until this morning because I was just kind of looking over home run derby winners and i was like you know what it's kind of crazy for him not to be on my list i'm gonna go with the kid uh from the seattle mariners the cincinnati reds king griffey jr won three uh home run derby 630 career home runs hard not to get him and getting him with my second pick i feel like is a steal and i absolutely love having king griffey and mark uh, mcguire so i'm going with them that yeah, and that was one of the guys I definitely think, thought was not going to be on your list, so I, I felt comfortable pushing him down. So tough, tough. I maybe should have grabbed him with the first one. I think Pete Alonso probably would have been there, but I have some backups. So I'm not, I'm not too worried. So with the fourth pick, I've got the fourth and pick, fifth pick now. I'll go with the guy that I thought maybe that you were going to go with with that pick. Uh, another recent home run derby, not too recent, but. Uh, whenever the home run derby pops up into my mind, uh, this man specifically one round pops up into my mind, Josh Hamilton. I think it was the 2008 first round, uh, it up there with what Pete Alonso did, maybe a little bit more impressive because some of those balls were just flying out at 500 feet with ease. Uh, Josh Hamilton at the peak of his career was hitting home runs just as well as anyone. And, I feel he has to be on one of our squads. I'll take Josh Hamilton for sure. Uh, so I've got two of uh, two home run derby champions, two guys that have done really well in the derby. I'm going to take some home run hitters now that maybe have done better uh, in in the game. Uh, I want to get some guys that uh, are, are true home run hitters, guys that pop off the page to some guys. And no one does that better than Hank Aaron. Uh, the home run king, the former home run king. There's a little bit of ambiguity there. Uh, I'm going to go with Hank Aaron, uh, round out uh, the third pick of my squad. I think we got a good trio going there with Pete Alonzo, Josh Hamilton, Hank Aaron. Uh, we'll throw it to Dylan for his final two picks. Um, I like those two picks a lot. They were not on my list, but I like them a whole lot. Um, my third pick is another guy I didn't have until this morning. I, I, I thought about this a lot this morning. I was like, I can't. I, I want to mix my team up. I tipped my hat yesterday to Dylan. I was like, I want to mix it up. Um, so I'm going to go with a guy that's been a div- that was a division rival of my St. Louis Cardinals. He won two home run derbies in 2009 and 2012. Uh, first baseman from the Milwaukee Brewers, Prince Fielder. Uh, he hit 319 career home runs. Uh, Prince was a guy that like was always a rival of my favorite team, but I absolutely loved watching him. He's a bigger guy. Uh, it, it it almost like it seemed like he shouldn't be able to do the things he did. He was just a freak out there. He would hit just moonshots, and it was so much fun to watch him. Uh, unfortunately, the Cardinals would beat him most of the time, so it made me like him a little more. Uh, and then my last pick is a guy that I didn't expect to be on my team, really. And I just kind of cu- kept coming back to him because he's really fun. And I just, I think he, in my head, it's because he was so good while we were growing up, so he, he's got a little bit of a higher stature in my head. But uh, I'm going to go with the 2006 home run derby winner from the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Ryan Howard. He had 382 career homers. He's a guy that I didn't like growing up because he was so good and he used to bully the Cardinals, uh, but he's awesome. Uh, 
And I, I like the the groove my team has. They're all former winners. Uh, Griffey and Prince Fielder both uh, won multiple. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with my team. And I'll throw it to you for your last pick. Yeah, those were definitely uh... – Definitely picks I didn't expect you to have, but definitely good picks indeed. Prince Fielder spent a, a few years in the Tigers uniform, so I'm definitely uh, definitely understand the moonshots that he can put out there. Uh, he did a, a fair amount of that hitting behind Miguel Cabrera in that Tigers lineup. Um, and this is a tough one because there's a guy on the on the list or out there that I didn't expect to fall all the way to the bottom. I expected him for sure to be on your list after yesterday. Uh, I had, I did want to go with Miguel Cabrera just to show a little bit of bias. Uh, I've always wanted to see Miguel Cabrera in a home run derby, especially prime Miguel Cabrera when he was hitting as best as he could. But if Barry Bonds is still out there, I, I think I got to put him on the list. I don't think we can uh, uh, let him go through uh, with a, on an all-time home run derby uh, list like this without putting him on the team. You know, all-time home run leader. Uh, again, ambiguity there with him and Hank Aaron. There's obviously some uh, st stuff there, but if we have Mark McGuire on one list, we got to have Barry Bonds on the other side. So I'll take Barry Bonds to wrap up my list, and I'm pretty happy with the way my squad is looking. Uh, I'm pretty pretty excited to see how this uh, this plays out in in uh, the head to head. But I think your team is good too. I, I think Ken Griffey is going to turn some heads. Mark McGuire, obviously, uh, Prince Fielder for some of that recency bias. Ryan Howard obviously a slugger for the Phillies. Is there uh, anyone that uh, was close to making your list that maybe didn't because you got, you got Barry, you talked about Miggy. Was there anyone else that you maybe missed out on? Yeah, I was thinking Miggy, uh, obviously for that reason or that, that bias that I have. I also wanted to put Babe Ruth on there. I thought that uh, Hank Aaron Babe Ruth was kind of my bottom two that I thought. Uh, Ken Griffey was the one that I really thought was going to fall to me, though. I, I, I wish I would have uh, hopped on him before Pete Alonzo, but I'm still happy with my list. Any Anyone that you had on your list maybe that didn't make your list? So Pete Alonzo was on my list, and I thought I was going to be able to like kind of steal him because I told you my strategy. And I completely mixed it up. I was like, Pete's going to be there for my last pick. That's an absolute steal. But you, you took it first. So that kind of mixed everything up. Um, Pujols was a guy I obviously wanted. But I I was like, ah, Pujols, Ryan Howard. I was like, I've already got a Cardinal. Ryan Howard hurt me so many times. I want him to help me now. Um, and then Babe Ruth obviously was one. But I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to be a stick in the mud. I want to have some fun. Babe Ruth, that kind of seems kind of boring. And then Barry Bonds, I, I was going to put him. But I was like, you know, I, I'm going to see maybe if he's got him in his notes, who knows? Maybe he'll forget. You never know what will happen. And I was like, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire on the same team. That's kind of cheating. So I, I, I left him off. He, he's in italics right here under Ryan Howard, but left him off. I'm happy with my team. I think it's a nice blend of some great power hitters. And I, I'm assuming we're doing this in Colorado or in, like, the polo ground, somewhere that's just you can hit bombs. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I mean that's the th when you bring up the polo grounds, it just makes it. I I would have loved to see Babe Ruth uh, against these dudes. I, I we've heard so much about Babe Ruth, especially this year with the way that Shohei's playing and uh, the comparisons that we've made to him. I, I I think that would be interesting to see. Uh, but when we go with a competitive game like this, uh, I, guys like Barry Bonds are going to turn turn heads for sure. Uh, all right, be sure to check out the Dylan and Dylan social media pages later on today, tomorrow, and throughout the week. Let us know who drafted the Better Derby squad. We'll have polls. We'll have posts uh, where you can let us know your thoughts. Maybe if you have guys that we didn't name that you think should have been on our list. Either way, we'd love to hear from you. We will transition now to from a fun competitive topic to I think what might be a first on the Dylan and Dylan show is that it is a topic that we propose that we know going in that we're probably not going to agree on. So it just makes this topic a bit more fun. Uh, we stick with baseball as Commissioner Rob Manfred addressed some of the rules instituted uh, specifically at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, we're talking about the seven inning double headers that, the, that came in to play, as well as the extra inning rule of putting a runner on second. Uh, the commissioner said that those were things that would not continue, uh, most likely would not continue in a post-pandemic world. Uh, unfortunately, we're not in that post-pandemic world yet. We had another Red Sox-Yankees game canceled uh, recently, so uh, we're, we're not 
out of that world yet. So we're going to have those rules at least for the time being, but Dylan, I'm interested to hear your take on this because I do believe we're on opposite sides of, uh, of our opinions on this one. Um, I'm in complete agreement with commissioner Manfred good riddance to these rules. In my opinion, I, um, I think it's for two different reasons for both of them. Uh, the seven innings, I don't know. I just feel like baseball should be nine innings. And I understand when you're playing these double headers and stuff, that's 18 innings of baseball in one day. But I mean, that that's the game. I mean, if they don't play two basketballs and two basketball games in one day, but if they did, it, they wouldn't be like, Oh, let's play three quarters. We'll play three quarters uh, at, in the afternoon and three quarters at night. That That's not a full game. You, you get that fourth quarter, to try to win. And that's kind of my mentality with, uh, with these seven inning games. Uh, it takes away two innings because you never know what can happen. It's, it's the great thing about sports. And I, I echo this quite a bit, but um, you get to the bottom of the night or the top of the night, whatever. And a team can get hot. You get a bloop and a blast and boom, right back in it. Uh, so you never know. And I hate that uh, we've seen these like great pitching performances, like Mad Bum had that no hitter, and it just it doesn't really count, um, which is crazy because you gotta think a guy like that, which obviously next thing they could have rattled off nine hits on him. You never know. But Mad Bum is a historically great pitcher. I mean, I, I have to imagine he probably goes out there at least gets a, a complete game shutout, if not the no hitter. So I I don't like that. I'm not crazy about that. And then. Uh, the the runner on second and extra innings I despise I do not like it at all I, and I think it it it's partly because of the game in real life and it's also part of uh, MLB the show because it drives me crazy playing extra innings in the show and you let up a base hit and it's it's a run I, I that's crazy uh, I I don't know I I'm just not crazy about it I I like I like the baseballs had these rules for so long it's it's very uniform the nine innings, and then I, I, I've i always loved the extra inning games that have gone 15, 16, 17 innings. I, I think it's a lot of fun. It doesn't happen that often, and so it's kind of a novelty. Uh, I don't know. I'm not I'm not crazy about that you get a base hit and it can be over. Uh, you got to you gotta do the things you got to do all game to win it. Um, and then, But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested to hear your takes on it. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm definitely in agreement with some of the things you said there. We're not in total disagreement. Uh, and my I think my problems are less with the seven inning double headers. Uh, I think that's something I kind of expected to go away. But it's in the same vein uh, as with kind of my thought process on both of the rules. Is uh, as I've you know as I've grown up, I was I was a baseball purist uh, through and through. I played baseball my it was the first sport I played and it was the sport I took the most seriously. Um, but as I've grown into a journalist and covering sports of all different, all different kinds, basketball, football, baseball, you name it. Baseball games are terribly long. Uh, pro games, especially they are so long and they are boringly long. Sometimes uh, I, I had the, I had a question for one of my friends one time, how, what do you think the percentages of, of, pro baseball games or pro baseball innings that are zero zero where nothing happens. And it's, it's gotta be 60, 70, 75% of innings that zero, zero, nothing really happens in those innings. And as I've grown and as I've watched these games, it, it just becomes, you know, there's gotta be something done. It, it can't be the same because the average, the average fan watching sports nowadays is not going to be interested in a three and a half hour, four hour baseball game. They're just not, it's just uh, as much as we might want them to be uh, as much as we want the game to stay the same. They're not, they're not going to be. So I'm for, I'm in favor of the rules that allow those games to, to be shorter and, in double headers, a lot of the times, yeah, like you said, those are a lot of innings. Uh, you're gonna do a lot of damage to to teams' bullpens to try to get through two nine inning games in one day. Um, and then in the the extra inning rule, uh, I think I have a, just a little bit more fondness for the rule because I grew up playing with that rule. Uh, a lot of leagues, uh, travel leagues, little leagues, even uh, it's called the international tiebreaker rule because you know, they need to get, especially in tournaments, they need to get games done quickly. So they need, they can't allow extra inning games to go deeper. And in those tournaments, when they had those, I always thought those were the, those were the the most fun because it was something, it was something interesting and it made the game 
in extra innings feel a little bit more important. The pitcher had a little bit more on their plate. Uh, they couldn't just, you know, put a runner on and, and you know, bunt them over the second. There's a runner in scoring position already. You already have uh, something to deal with immediately. And so in that case, you know, and and I guess I'm just on the other side. I, I don't like the 15 inning games at this point. I'm not, if I'm a, a someone watching the game, if I'm someone that has to cover the game, if a game goes into 15, 16 innings, I'm going to be like, God, can we just, is there a rule that could make this go a little bit faster? And I think that's what the extra inning rule does. So uh, in my, in my case, I'm, more, I, I understand where you're at. I love the, I love the old timing, the, the feel of baseball at the same time, it has to grow at some point if we're going to keep fans interested in this and uh, the length of the game, I think, is one of the biggest problems. And these are rules that I think helps in that regard. So what do you think about a Game 7 World Series goes to the 11th inning and say it's the Cardinals and Tigers and we're in, we're in St. Louis, the Cardinals get through the top, no problem. And the Tigers lose the World Series on a single up the middle. And it's over because Tommy Edmonds on second base and he's got afterburners. How do you I, I I just feel like that would drive me nuts. And I'd rather I I guess for the regular season, sure. I I, I guess bend my arm, whatever, that it helps the games get along, especially if I'm covering the game. I don't want to sit there for seven hours. That that sounds terrible. But I just in a playoff mode or even like down the stretch. Cause I mean, there'll be tight races with the, with the divisions and the wild card and stuff. I just, I think it's crazy how much can change off a little bloop in the center field or right field or whatever to win a game. And that's a game difference. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I that it, rule is just, so- in in being in those situations, and I've uh, I've batted and pitched in those situations, and it actually in my in my experience, and this is obviously coming from a, a very amateur ex- experience compared to major league players, but in my experience, it actually makes for extra innings to be uh, a bit more strategic because uh, no matter who you've got up. Uh, you've either got to decide whether you're going to let them swing away or you're going to bunt them, bunt them over. And, and you're, and you're going to know that the other team has that uh, option in the bottom half of the inning. So uh, a lot of it comes down to, can you get that runner in scoring position in, in to score? And uh, in my, in my eyes, those are usually the better baseball teams. If you have a runner on second and you can get him to score and the other team can't, well, that's, that's really the difference in a baseball game most of the time. So uh, rather than wait for, you know, someone to single bunt him over and get him in the scoring position and then have two tries to get him in, uh, we'll just put him in scoring position and let those teams try to get it. At. And I understand where you're coming from too. And I think it, it might take some time, maybe uh, keep it in the regular season, uh, take it out of the postseason, and then see where fans are at because uh I think it uh, it's tough because we've seen the way the NFL changes their overtime rules and, and fans don't seem to like it some ways and in some ways they do. So uh, it's tough to do these large changes like this. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm looking for the, the pace of the game and pe- keeping people interested as for as long as they can. And uh, like I said, 15 innings of baseball is tough to watch. Nine innings of baseball is tough to watch uh, sometimes as well, but uh if we can limit the amount of time that we have to deal with, deal with that, uh, keep it more compact and more, I think that just makes it more fun, uh, more memorable for, for the fans in that situation. But I can see where you're coming from as well. Uh, A lot of good points on your side as well. All right. Awesome stuff there. Like Dylan and I said, when we pitched the topic, a little friction never hurt anyone. So uh, excited to have that on there. And now we'll move forward with another regular top, uh, another regular topic moving forward until we have some NFL football to talk about. There are eight weeks until that happens. So it's the perfect amount of time to give our listeners our preseason power rankings. Uh, our plan is to reveal four teams a week in descending order. That way you guys will have the fir- the full list just before the first weekend of the season. Another topic I'm excited to jump into, so I will throw it to Dylan, get him started with his bottom four teams of the NFL for the preseason. Um, well, you want to do it one at a time. Let's do – I'll do 32, you do 32, and we can yeah. just talk it through. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. right. So my bottom team, God love them. Uh, the, the Houston Texans, uh, my, my AFC South counterpart, um, they've got, they've got a whole mess of problems, uh, that we don't have to go into there. Everybody knows they're, they're not, they don't have the brightest outlook on this upcoming season with not really having many rookies coming in out of this draft class, having a rough year, um, just all all the situations going on in Houston. It's gonna it's gonna be very interesting. Uh, and the South, the ASC South is a very very interesting division because the Titans look like they could be really good. The Colts, who knows? They they have the potential to be good. And then Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, really who knows? That that's a whole other situation. But Houston, I I think it's gonna be a tough year for them with all their situations in in that building. Uh, who do you have as your bottom ranked team? All right. So before I give my bottom ranked team, I just have to explain my relationship with the Detroit Lions for everyone. Because if I don't, I know my friends and people online are going to say I'm not a Lions fan. So I just have to defend myself for a second. I am a Lions fan, but in my short 24 years on this earth, the Lions have beat reality into me as a sports fan. After going 0-16, after zero playoff wins in 24 years, uh, after failing to do anything with Kelvin Johnson as our wide receiver and Matt Stafford as our quarterback. Uh, after all that and more, the list goes on and on. The Lions turned me from a Homer sports fan into a realistic sports fan. And, and I am being realistic about this Lions team when I say they are the worst team in the league uh, by a lot. Uh, when I've complained about Matthew Stafford in the past, he is still a lot better than Jared Goff. Uh, our receivers were our only good part about our team last year, and now they're all gone. So the Lions are bad, and they're going to be bad. And in the, in, a, in a sense, that's actually good for because for once in my life, it, it almost seems like the Lions have a plan. Even though I, I know they don't, they at least know that it takes being bad before you can rebuild and be good. And that's something they've never understood. They always wanted to compete for that wild card appearance every year. And if they got it, it was, it was akin to winning the Super Bowl in Detroit. If we got just an appearance in the playoffs at the, at the wild card spot. So I, I have no problem saying the lions are going to be the 32nd ranked team in the, in the league this year. They're going to be very bad up there with that. one sixteen lions team, but at least I can say they're losing with a purpose for once. It, one time they actually seem to have a rebuild plan in mind. Uh, so uh, I can at least say that with a bit of confidence. They're going to be bad, but we know they're going to be bad, and at least they have something going for them in that case. Uh, who's? Is, let's move forward. Who you got at 31 uh, as your 31st-ranked team? My 31st 31st-ranked team comes out of the NFC East. We're not getting to Detroit yet. Uh, out of the NFC East, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles at 31, and I, I really like the Eagles. A good friend of mine is a huge Eagles fan, so I, I, I'm very in touch with what the Eagles are doing. And I am just not crazy about what they're doing. Uh, I've never been on the Jalen Hurts train, and that might be because he is at Alabama. I destroyed Tennessee every year, but I've never been on the Jalen Hurts train. I, I think he's a fine quarterback. I don't think he's a franchise guy. I think they're going to end up going in a different direction. Uh, Philly's just – they're in a weird situation, and they've been in a weird situation since they won that Super Bowl trying to find their identity kind of uh, and I don't think they have yet. And that division is, that division is, I don't want to say it's good, but it's, it's just weird. It's like the Eagles. They're, they're weird because I can see any of those teams except for the Eagles winning it. I, I just, I'm not crazy about their roster makeup, their offense. I, it's hard to get excited about that offense. Miles Sanders is fun. Um, he, he's a, he's a fun running back. Uh, and then, who knows if Zach Ertz will be there. And then the wide receiver room, that's Travis Fulgham was maybe their best receiver last year. And I don't think anyone had heard of him before last season. So um, it's been an interesting season in Philly, to say the least. Um, who do you have as your 31st ranked team? Yeah, so I I left Philly out of my bottom four, just so Philly fans know. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of break, but I, I you will be coming next week most likely. Uh this one was a little bit tough, and I have a little bit of a, a, a shakeup at 31. I think this team is 
could prove me very wrong uh, very quickly and make me look really dumb, but I have the Jaguars at 31. And in the, obviously very talented, very high ceiling. And uh, like, again, I said, could make me look really dumb really quickly if they if they prove it really prove that they are legit uh, in the first couple of weeks. But my thought process is it's a first time NFL head coach in Urban Meyer. They're going to be led by a rookie quarterback with his best playmakers are all rookies. Uh, you know, it's not going to be a very experienced Jacksonville team. And I think that division is very good. I think that AFC division uh, is going to be very tough for Jacksonville to compete in. So uh, I think they could make me look really bad and really stupid here, but I think it's going to be a tough year for Trevor Lawrence in that first year. And I think it'll be the second year where Urban Meyer kind of shakes some things up, figures things out, but I think it's going to be a rough rookie year for Trevor Lawrence and them in Jacksonville. Uh, Who you got at 30? That's the fun thing about these power rankings. We we can look real stupid like by week three, which I'm fine with that. Uh, at 30, I've got your Detroit Lions. Uh, I I don't hate this Lions team at all. I just think there are better teams than them, and there are two worse. Um, they I really like Goff. I I really do. I've been a Goff guy for a while since he was at Cal. I was like, I think this guy has the tools. Um, unfortunately he doesn't, I don't think he has the weapons around him in Detroit right now. Um, I really like TJ Hawkinson. He's a really fun tight end and I love Dan Campbell. I think he is just that dude at head coach. I think he's going to have a lot of fun in Detroit. Um, they're just going to have to figure it out. Uh, the, the running back situation's fun. I just, they've got a fun, interesting team. I just think with that division, and the NFC is pretty good. Um, they're, they're the worst team in that division, definitely. I think Chicago's better, especially if Justin Fields plays like I think he should. And that definitely puts uh, Detroit behind them. And then Minnesota, and which – and then I'm not going to say anything about Green Bay because who knows what they're going to look like. So that'll be fun to rank them. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I've got the Detroit Lions at 30. Who is your 30th best team? Yeah, and it's uh, it's funny because you know we talked about the Lions a while ago, and they, I I'm not a huge Jared Goff guy, but with the what's going on in Green Bay, all of a sudden we could start the year, and we have the Goff might be the best quarterback in that division, you know, at least the most experienced and the most uh, proven. So, uh, it's really weird and interesting to look at. Definitely, the NFC North is going to be an interesting division with, with the way it plays out. Uh, don't want to look at the Packers any anytime soon. Uh, we move on to 30. I got the Houston Texans right there for all of the same reasons that you had the Houston Texans there. So many things up in the air. Uh, but what we do know is they're going to be a lot different than we were last year. The J.J. Wattless team, uh, a team that's going to be, you know, just putting in things as camp comes up because they're just not at 100% regardless of where they're at right now. So I, I – Again, another team that is going to struggle in their division uh, is going to struggle outside of their division. And I think, you know, the teams that are dealing with the off off the field stuff late in camp like this are going to struggle when it comes to putting in their offense and defense uh, early on in the season. And that's going to put them in a hole. And when you you don't have the talent uh, to back it up, uh, it can it can spiral really quickly. Uh Trust me, I know as a Lions fan, it spirals very quickly. Uh, and rounding out the bottom four, who you got at 29? At 29, I literally just switched this. I switched 28 and 29 about two seconds ago um, because I like my new 28 more than the new 29. Um, at 29, I have the New York Jets. And um, I, this is another team. I, I just love football. But I, I like the Jets, and I think the Jets have an interesting future. And I think they could do good because the AFC East, there's no telling what it's going to look like in a few years with everything the Patriots are doing. The Bills look really good, but NFL teams go off the rails all the time. And then the Dolphins also seem like they're on the verge of something great. Um, Robert Sala is a guy that I, I really, really think has a great future as a head coach in this league. And I think Zach Wilson, when we talked about the draft, I was like, Zach Wilson's a guy that's just got that moxie. He's got, he's got something. I don't know, quite know what it is. It might be, I don't know. It's the, I don't know what it is, but he's got something. It just seems like he's going to be a guy that's going to be a winner and do things. And I love some of the signings they made. They went and got 
my guy Corey Davis uh, signed him to a big deal. They uh, drafted Elijah Moore, who I really wanted the Titans to draft. So they've got guys I really like. But I just – first year in a new system, uh, going against a division that are all going to be looking to make the playoffs. The Dolphins, Patriots, and uh, Bills all are focused on making the playoffs. I don't know why they wouldn't be. So that's – they're going to be the bottom feeders. All those teams are going to be looking to beat them. And I, I think this year it's going to be rough. But I think the future might be bright in New York. Hope it is because I, I think they have a fun team. I think Sala is a good coach. And uh, but yeah, they they come in at twenty nine. Unfortunately for me, uh, who is your twenty nine? Yeah, and I will echo that. I've got the Jets at twenty nine as well. Uh, a team that I think is very similar in the Lions, where they're just awful year in and year out, and just can't really find like their identity. Uh, I just think they're like a step in front of the Lions in terms of their rebuild. They just drafted their quarterback in Zach Wilson. I think I really like Robert Sala, and I do think he will be the future coach where I think I, I love Dan Campbell. I think he he has a chance to be a good future head coach, but a, a quick few bad years in Detroit can, can really turn a lot of people on that. Uh, I think Sala is the long-term option for New York. They're a little bit closer in their rebuild, uh, but – Again, you know, that's a division that's going to be really tough for them to compete in. Uh, as is with all of these four teams that we've got here, uh, they're competing in really good divisions, and that's tough because they're, they're not talented enough to do that. So uh, that's where, we, that's where I, I sit is like they're, going to, they're going to get beat up on in division, and it's tough to then turn around and compete outside of your division when you can't really find your footing against the teams you're playing twice a year. So uh, I, I think the Jets fall into that category as well. Um, I'm not quite sold on Zach Wilson, but uh, he's up in the air. You know, a lot of these rookies are up in the air. We don't know what they're going to be uh, once they put on an NFL uniform. So that's what's exciting about these power rankings, and especially this new NFL with all the young young talent that's coming into the league. It's uh, making a lot of these teams a lot more exciting and, and we're looking forward to it. So make sure to look out for our social media posts later. You'll see our bottom four and keep listening on as we reveal four teams each week from our power rankings. Next week will be 28 through 25, 28 through 25. Is that four? Yeah. (laughs) All right. That will do it for our main topics. Let's move on to this week in sports. And while the NBA finals are getting very interesting and very exciting for good reasons, The USA basketball team is making headlines for wrong reasons this week. They dropped two different exhibition matchups in their warmups for the Olympics in Tokyo, losing an exhibition game in Nigeria, as well as Australia, back-to-back games. And people are wondering, how is this loaded USA team with Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, uh, the list goes on and on. How are they losing to anyone, much less Nigeria and Australia? Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on the recent uh, Team USA struggles? It drives me crazy. Uh, because I've been watching Team USA basketball since I was a mere pup, and I I love watching uh, Team USA basketball. I love looking back at, like, the dream team. It's awesome. It it seems like throughout my life it's united people. So we all get to root for these players to go bring home the gold. Um, And I I can't remember what tournament it was. I think it was the FIBA tournament a couple years ago. Uh, It was a younger team we sent out there and we struggled. It was Tatum was basically the leader. I don't know. It's, it's this, these group of guys, I, they're just not meshing somehow. I don't know if it's the chemistry. I don't know if it's how the NBA games change where it's more ISO stuff and more ball-dominant stuff. I, I'm not really sure what it is, but I, I think it's a chemistry issue. They're not – and the, they play the game so different because the way the NBA officiates games and the way FIBA does, there's it's, it's almost completely different. Uh, and They're not used to it. And the teams they lost to, Nigeria and Australia, are both good. Like, both of those teams have legit pros on their teams. Australia's got Patty Mills and Del Vadova. That's NBA champions. Uh, and you can't sleep on that. And they're obviously very proud to put on their country's jersey. So, I, and there were exhibitions. And I think another factor is these guys are tired. They, they're coming off one of the craziest runs of basketball ever after – everything with COVID happened, going to the bubble, getting very short time off and then coming right back, playing another season. And some of these guys played in the playoffs and they're just, they're just tired. Um, 
they they did get a big win against Argentina on Monday, which was nice. They were able to bounce back and kind of kind of blow out Argentina. So it's it's looking up for hopefully. Um, but there has been kind of setbacks because Bradley Beal and Kevin Love both got ruled out. Uh, they got replaced by Kelton Johnson and JaVale McGee. That was announced earlier today. I wasn't crazy about that. When it was announced, it kind of got me excited. because I was like, this team's struggling. Let's go get some young stars. Let's get some let's, – let's get excited. And the first thing that came to my mind, I was like, John Morant, Zion Williamson. I was like, you got a, you got a guard and a big guy. Brad Beal and Kevin Love are out. Let's go get the most exciting young guard and big guy. Let's go into Tokyo with some uh, with some fire in our chest because those are two. I I don't know as much about Zion. I've watched almost every Ja Morant game for the past four years. Ja does not like to lose, and if Ja's going to Tokyo, he's coming back with a gold medal, or he's going to uh, stay on the court trying. Uh, and I think that's maybe what this team needs. I don't know. It's it's very interesting. I, I I'm intrigued to see what Kelton Johnson and JaVale McGee bring to Team USA. JaVale McGee kind of seemed – when I saw the name, I was like, that seems like they pulled that out of a hat. But I I don't hate it. JaVale is a very fun player. He gives us all uh, – he, he did a lot for those Warriors teams off the bench. So, who knows? He might be a glue guy. He has experience with KD. So, I mean, you never know. Uh, and then Keldon, obviously playing for the Spurs with Coach Pop. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be exciting to see how these things work out. Uh as we head to Tokyo, uh, what have your thoughts been about Team USA? Yeah, and uh, just quickly on those replacements, I really like, I really, really like Colin Johnson. I think he's going to have a breakout breakout time in Tokyo. A lot of people are going to realize how truly talented that kid is. Uh, he's a really good basketball player. Um, but focusing more on the US Team USA and their struggles, um, I don't think any of these teams should be beating Team USA, but I do think that the future of international basketball is just looking like it's going to be less dominant than it was in the past. Uh, like you said, both of those teams were legit. Like Nigeria had 13 NBA players on their prelim rosters, guys like OG Ananobi and Jalil Okafor. I mean, these are legit NBA guys. They're not, you know, Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant, but they're certainly talented basketball players. We're not talking about, you know, just pro guys in the pro Africa league. We're talking about NBA basketball players. So uh, I think just with the sport growing as much as it is internationally, I think we're going to just going to see less dominance on our end. And I think that's okay. Um, To this extent, you know, we still have Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard, you know, Kevin Durant shouldn't, should be a a game breaker for basically any team. Uh, So I don't think we should be losing to a team where Patty Mills is basically their best player. Uh, but that being said, uh, you know, we're not, it's not like, um, it's not like, uh, you know, a bad, the, the, how bad it used to be where we would come in and we'd win by 60 every time, uh, we're going to go up against teams and countries that have put a lot into basketball and you can see it with the international presence that is in our game nowadays, guys like Luka Doncic and guys, you know, guys like Dirk who have done it and come from the international pool and become stars. Uh, I think it's just the way that the game has grown has uh, allowed for international players to be better at basketball. And that's great. It's made the NBA a lot better because of that. So uh, I think that just makes the Olympics more fun. And I think, you know, we'll still win. We'll probably still win gold, but even if we don't, we see a lot of competitive basketball and that's, I think that's more fun. You know, even the, I, I, I still loved the LeBron and D Wade teams that would just dunk on everyone and win by 40, but I'd like to see some fun competitive international basketball. Uh, as long as we still come out on top at the end, I think is the caveat there. Oh, for sure. And I, I like the point you made about the international growth in the game. Cause I mean, if you look right now, what everybody's talking about, we spent a lot of time yesterday on the round table talking about Giannis and how, and I mean, I, I made it very blunt. I was like, I don't think the Suns can stop him. I don't think Team USA could stop him. I, I That guy's on a different level. And I don't know if Giannis is playing in the Olympics. Team USA better hope he's not. And the rest of the countries better hope he's not. Because you get, I think there's four, uh, Giannis has four brothers, I believe, or there's four uh, onto the Kumpos. You get four of those on the same court in international play. That that's a scary thing, and I mean, there's it's not just that hypothetical. But I mean, you look at all these countries; they're just getting better and better. France, I saw their roster. And I was like, oh my goodness, they 
that's a dangerous team with Rudy Gobert, the centerpiece. And then there were several NBA players. And we saw the renaissance of French basketball because of a guy like Tony Parker making it so popular there. And I, it's really, really exciting to see all these young, talented guys. And they're just from different parts of the world, like Luca, Giannis, uh, Rudy Gobert, just all these guys. And uh, just seeing the game become more international and uh, seeing uh, international basketball at the Olympics becoming more uh, competitive might fire up Team USA a little bit and uh, get them excited to play. And maybe, maybe next time I'll get to see John Zion put on the red, white, and blue. Yeah, and it's been exciting. And even uh, I saw with the U19 the Olympics that are going on as well. Uh, Michigan has Caleb Houston, who is the leader of the Canadian team. Uh, Musa Diabate is uh, on the French team as well. So even in college basketball, we're seeing that international game grow. And I, I again, I think that's fun. It just makes for better basketball at the end of the day. The best players uh, getting to getting to the league, and that's what we're that's what we should root for in that situation. Uh, and also for our country to win gold. At, at, as long as we can do that, we're fine with whatever happens in the end. Uh, we will wrap up now uh, with our NBA finals thoughts. We, as we discussed earlier, we had our second NBA roundtable presented by, presented by TV Sports yesterday. But we'll give some quick takes here as we wrap up the show. We're going back tied two to two, going back to Phoenix. The home teams have stayed the course thus far. Uh, big games one and two from CP3 get big series thus far for Giannis uh Chris Middleton huge game four uh Dylan what are your biggest takeaways from the NBA finals so far uh coming into the finals for the past few years Giannis has been this mega star and I've never really been crazy about Giannis and I, I mean I've got to watch him quite a bit and I remember when he got drafted I I was like who who in the world is this kid from Greece and it, it's been cool to see him emerge as the superstar and one-of-a-kind player. Giannis has made me a fan this series, and I really appreciate because I went into it very, like, I don't care who wins. Um, but that game three, when and I, I tweeted all these things out because I thought it was so much fun, all these graphics that they just kept putting up, and they're putting Giannis up there with LeBron and Kobe, Shaq, and it's just Michael Jordan, all these names, and it's like, He's one of them now. He's he's in that class, and that's awesome to see him emerge into that class in front of our eyes. Um, I think this finals has been a lot of fun, and I don't know that a lot of people expected it to be. Maybe going into it, or even after the first two games, they're like, "Oh, this uh, this Milwaukee team is just not doing this." Giannis guy can't can't crack it, but man, oh man, they they proved that wrong in Milwaukee this past week. And then uh, going into Game Five, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, I I'm having a great time watching it because I really don't care who wins. So I, I'm just having fun watching it. I, I like the Suns team. Uh, Devin Booker is a blast to watch. Chris Paul, the storyline with that of him trying to get his first ring and Aiton's awesome. Got a root for campaign from, from my Murray state racers. And then just watching Giannis alone on the bucks. I, I love it. Um, I'm just having a ton of fun. And I really, 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 I said it yesterday on the round table. I really hope it goes to seven games just so we get more basketball uh, before, so we can get a little, little more time with basketball before the Olympics. Yeah. And you make a good point. I think everyone, all NBA fans for the past, maybe eight finals so far, you basically had to pick a side in, in the, in the finals. It was either you're rooting for LeBron or you're rooting against LeBron. Uh, that, that was the lines that it came down to basically every time this year, I love Giannis and I love what he's doing and I would love to, but I would also love to see CP three and Devin Booker win a ring. So I, I don't think we're going to get, I, I'm going to be disappointed either way. Uh, I think my biggest takeaway is that bringing it back to Giannis. And I think he could really catapult his legacy really quickly with a win in the series. Uh, all the respect due to Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. They're, they're very good players, but this Bucks team is not nearly as talented as some of the other teams that are built to, to support a superstar. Uh, guys like LeBron having Anthony Davis and guys like Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, this is really Giannis's team. And I think uh, if he can lead this Bucks team to win, I think he instantly becomes one of the most dominant superstars we've ever seen. And uh, that's, it brings it back to those Shaq comparisons we're seeing all the time. I mean, he, uh, he is as 
getting as dominant as Shaq was. And I don't think Middleton is nearly as good as Kobe was. So if he can find a way to win this series, uh, his legacy is going to shoot up very, very quickly. And I, I think it's worth it because I've never seen a dude like this that can move the way he is, is as strong as he is, uh, and as dominant as the paint as he is without really having a jump shot to, to his name. You know, not, not even just something to keep guys honest. It's really just his dominance in the paint, his dominance on the defensive end. Uh, his all-around dominance has been amazing to watch, and uh, I'm looking forward to more. I'm, uh, like you said, I'm rooting for seven for the entire way because it's been a lot of fun. Every game's been a ton of fun. Um, you made a point about Giannis just kind of being an outlier. Um, I remember a couple years ago they they asked Giannis, it was a reporter asked him, why he didn't do these summer workouts with other NBA stars, which has become so popular because these guys, they played AAU together their whole lives. It's, it's a really cool thing about basketball. Uh, but Giannis said that they're my, they're my enemies. This is, this is Giannis. And so he, he was, he kind of made a point. He was against the whole super team idea. And it's really cool to see him going out there and not having a super team. Chris Middleton's awesome. And I think that stuck out about Chris Middleton to me was in the last 25 postseasons, he is tied with LeBron for the most clutch shots, and they, they describe that as uh, last minute in the fourth quarter overtime with 15. LeBron did it in 2007. Chris Middleton did it in these playoffs. That That's insane. I mean, that that's one-of-a-kind uh, company, but everybody knows it's Giannis's team. Chris Middleton is is right there with them. He's, uh, he's a absolutely fantastic Robin to Giannis's Batman. Um, but the, the mentality Giannis has that I was talking about, it's it's something we don't see in today's NBA, and it's cool to see it actually working out for him and maybe get him a ring. I, I'm really excited to watch that and hopefully watch three more games of NBA Finals basketball. Mm-hmm. And that just reminds me of our our discussion on international players. I think the, the most exciting players in this playoffs have been international players in Giannis and Luka. Those two were the most fun to watch and in my eyes. So it just goes to show what these guys uh, do to the league. It just makes it a lot more fun. It gives you more storylines to watch and and a lot more uh, stuff to talk about. All right. I'll I'll throw John Morant in those most exciting (laughs) players to watch. Uh, Won't overlook him as well. Hopefully we'll see Kate Cunningham in a Pistons uniform in that list as well soon. Uh, All right. That is going to do it from us here at the Dylan and Dylan show. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Um, had a great time. Um, I, I just want to echo what I've been saying about Giannis. I, that's all I've been able to think about this week is just Giannis. I'm like, this guy is incredible. I'll, I'll be talking to my friends or my dad on the phone. I'm like, did you see what he did? And I, I've joked, with one of my buddies, I was like, I, I want the show. I want to stay like someone's the silly goose of the week. I love calling people silly goose, whether it's good or bad. Giannis might be the silly goose of the year with the stuff he's done. I mean, it's just crazy seeing the things he's done uh, in these finals. I, I've become a true fan. Uh, he, he has a permanent place on my, my silly goose mantle. Uh, if, if I ever make a trophy, it will make its way to Giannis's locker, I hope. All right, look out for that. Giannis, if you're listening, look out for the Silly Goose of the Year Award coming your way uh, sometime soon. All right, thank you, Dylan. Thank you, all of the listeners who made it to this point. A reminder where you can find us online. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at underscore TV Sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports, and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. That is a wrap. We will see you guys all next week. Thank you for listening. Uh, This has been the Dylan and Dylan Show signing off.